Welcome to Tea Break with Vivian Cosimir. Vivian and her guests are here to help you empower yourself and open your mind to higher realizations. Now, here is Vivian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this February podcast. My slogan, if coffee wakes you up, tea awakens you. I am Viviane Casimir, and I have the pleasure to be here with Jonathan Léger-Raymond on the subject of Ayurveda and Tammy Schmidt after the break on piercing the duality we face to bring true health in mind-body. So let's go straight into the subject of mind-body and redefine health with Jonathan. We are going to cover three things. What is health? Second, what is Ayurveda? even though we may have heard about it, and how this principle can help sustain health in a Western context. And three, East versus West, approach of Ayurveda. We all know that Ayurveda comes from the East, but how do we in the West use it? So, Jonathan, welcome to this podcast, and it's always a pleasure. And um, Thank you. maybe a few words about yourself, because I think you have an interesting background. <laughs> and uh, then we can uh, start with the first question. What is health from your perspective? All right. So uh, I'm a usual North American kid. I grew up in a suburb. Um, I was into martial arts. So we have a point in common. And uh, through martial art, I went into, uh, I did a bit of cinema and I did a bit of money and uh, Uh, not that much, but uh, for a little kid, uh, it was enough to travel. And I did a few, uh, I did a big travel in Asia. Um, and uh, I got acquainted with India at that occasion. Um, I I didn't know much about India before I went uh, to travel. And uh, I got acquainted with India and I kind of never left. Uh, I learned the language, I learned an instrument, uh, I cook um <laughs> I, uh, I, and I now practice, uh, more importantly, uh, the Indian traditional medicine, which uh, is called Ayurveda, uh, the quote, science of life, uh, without uh, giving, giving it uh, too much uh, importance scientifically, but it is still a, a, scient a scientific uh, approach. Um, and we call it the science of life. So it's a kind of naturopathy, but... Um, Uh, through the Indian uh, way of uh, seeing things and uh, with their own uh, system about it. So my life is a bit, uh, I would say it's consecrated to uh, uh, to that art and that science uh, nowadays. Oh, wonderful. It's always interesting to see how people pick a discipline and how they end up, you know. That's the mystery and the beauty of life. So you're not going to pass on that one. I'm going to ask you, of course, what mm -hmm. is health from Ayurveda perspective? What is health? Um, it's a good question because usually health uh, was defined in the West uh, till maybe half uh, of the, the 20, 20th century and still it lingers on. Uh, a definition of health where you have an absence of pathology. So if you're not sick in any way, then you're considered healthy. That's still a bit how modern medicine works. Although nowadays the WHO uh, adopted uh, a, a proposition that was uh, put forward uh, by India, but was inspired from Ayurveda. Uh, and actually the world uh, deficient definition of health by the WHO was inspired by Ayurveda first and foremost. And uh, the key point there was uh, that 
uh, it's a question of um, uh, of psychological health, of social health, uh, of mental health, of physical health. So we talk more about well-being and and happiness than just an absence of pathology. Um, The definition of Ayurveda uh, included uh, the concept of soul, which was not easy to... uh, to adopt uh, worldwide, so uh, we kind of traded it for the the social aspect. But fair enough, uh, your social position should reflect a bit what your soul is incarnated to be uh, living in. So uh, there's a kind of concomitance between uh, both concepts. So uh, Mm. I like the modern definition of health by the WHO. Oh, that's uh, very interesting, because in the West, in the West, we hear very often mind, body, spirit. You know, it's kind of encompasses mm-hmm. a bit of. Uh, That's also uh, and the spirit uh, of it, a mm-hmm. bit larger, maybe with the mm-hmm. the soul and the social aspect. Like we have to be uh, in tune with our environment to be happy, and that is considered health. And and also yeah. health, I, I think where we uh, when we're devoid of stresses and we're uh, in a good environment and in a good position, and uh, then of course it reflects on. Also, uh, objective uh, calculation of uh, you know cortisol level and all these things. No, exactly. Yeah, it's very interesting to see that uh, now more and more people are open to this kind of uh, new definition. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, society, the ideology in society keeps us in a duality. You know, we when we go and see the doctor, it's still oh, you're healthy because you have no disease, <laughs> you know. So mm-hmm. somehow we still are caught in that duality. But um, yeah, so it's interesting then to see that health encompasses all aspects of a human life in that sense. Yeah. And very often we associate health with nutrition. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would be curious to see, I don't know if it has happened already, but a study on the evolution of um, nutrition. I am old, but not that old. I remember in the 80s, you know, already we were talking about food affecting, uh, you know, your body, emotion related to food. So, and now we are, we have reached a point where food is even uh, considered good if it has the right vibration. So it's interesting to see how the evolution of nutrition has been in the West. So, um, Yes, we can now go for the second question. What is Ayurveda? And if we can demystify it. When I say demystify, it's because everyone I speak to, my friends, and about Ayurveda, they, the thing that comes to their mind, pita, kappa, vata, I am a vata, so I have to, t- to eat this type of food. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of funny to see how culturally we have uh, used Ayurveda as in a Cartesian way of again splitting things, you know. I don't think we understood collectively Ayurveda at all, uh, or not at all. But I think we're really at the beginning of the understanding. And I think the the main thing that has to be avoided is people thinking that they have understood anything about Ayurveda, because so much needs to be understood yet. Uh, if well, okay, I'll start from the beginning. Ayurveda is, uh, as I said, the science of life. Uh, as per literal translation, because Ayur means life and Veda means knowledge or what is truth about, true about or uh, knowledge in a, in a different uh, way or form. So Ayurveda means the science of life or the knowledge about life. Um, so 
concretely uh, in 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 the real life i mean it's uh, it's uh, naturopathic techniques and also it included surgery so at the time it included both what today uh, modern medicine and uh, naturopathy was uh, trying to do uh, they had uh, they were very advanced in certain things they were uh, less advanced in others but in general it was very impressive so there's a, a whole array of techniques. It can be food, it can be massages, it can be different treatments that I'm not going to go into, but they they are like a, some kind of oil uh, pouring over your forehead in a regular way. Or mm-hmm. Well, I won't go into all this, but there are treatments that are uh, specific to Ayurveda. Uh, other treatments that we are more familiar with, like uh, also they will use the, the pressure points, uh, just like uh, acupuncture or digipuncture would do. Uh, reflexology will do would do also so they also use the the energy level of the body and the energy points and the energy lines the nadi uh, and the, the the points are called the marma so it's the marma and the nadi um it, it's a, it's very vast i mean uh, like today if we have to talk about health we're going to talk about organs we're going to talk about tissues we're going to talk about food we're going to talk about so it's a super hyper huge world so if we think we can um, simplify it in a few sentences. That means we haven't explored all that world and all its uh, its subtleties. Um, so the first thing to do in Ayurveda is to learn about the dosha that people know about, vata, the movement, pitta, the transformation, kapha, the preservation. But then again, uh, we need to take our time to dig into these things. The first thing to be known about the dosha are the properties of the dosha, like the, the qualities of nature. So that's a less known a bit, and it should be uh, in Ayurveda, meaning that you're trying to uh, avoid excesses, excesses in Vata, Pitta, and Kappa. But really, we need another step to bring it into uh, definite and concrete things. And what is this step? It is the qualities, the properties. So what does it mean is that there's ways you can unbalance vata. There are seven qualities to vata or six different, depending on the classification. But let's say vata is cold. So whenever you're exposed to cold, you're more prone to increase vata. And at some point, it will cause trouble. So you have also different qualities like dry or like mobile or like subtle. So if you have too much of these qualities in your environment, in your food, in your lifestyle, in your um, in in the climate you're living in, everything, so all this compounds, and it makes excesses. So the first thing to know after the dosha will be the gunas we call the properties, and that will give you power to influence over your dosha, and that is not really well known. Uh, exactly. And then you have the flavors, uh, and people tend to go to internet, and they will, you know, make a test, determine their their their, their dosha, and then they go and they they need a list. They want a list what to eat, what not to eat. So I could speak volumes about this, but uh, that needs to be understood in a thorough way. And what I see today is that people are like kind of skimming through Ayurveda, exactly. and then they're saying, oh, "Okay, I've been there, done that." Uh, next, exactly. mm-hmm. uh, I've spent more than 20 years and I can say I, I won't have enough of my whole li- life left. Even if I increase my life expectancy with Ayurveda, <laughs> I won't have enough to do it all uh, to, to, you know, I want to write books about it. I want to compile it. I want to, uh, uh, and 
yeah, my know. time is but, uh, set for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, no, I see. Yeah, but this is actually the third point that we're going to approach in a few moments. Okay. But it's about the difference between the East and the West. In ah. the West, we are very Cartesian. And uh, Ayurveda, uh, even though you explain it in a very comprehensive way, which is not surprise, surprising from the East, you know, they, they have a much brighter sense of life. And, um, but in the West, actually, your experience of Ayurveda as a practitioner uh, with your clients and you've taught also, you train people. Mm -hmm. So uh, what is your experience in that sense, meaning uh, how people relate to Ayurveda in the West? Well, I don't see much difference, uh, honestly, between the East and the West about Ayurveda. And I have to say, Ayurveda is a very Cartesian science. I mean, it's a science. Uh, we need to distinguish this thing. We need to uh, discrimination. So this is good, this is bad, this is real, this is not real. Uh, it's uh, it's a science that incorporates techniques like inference, like uh, um, uh, there are there are all uh, the same uh, the same uh, thing we we find in the West, like in the philosophy or uh, in the how like the root of knowledge, how do we know things, okay? Uh, Descartes and all these things. Um, so so it's the basic of Cartesianism or, or objectivism. Uh, these things are very much incorporated into Ayurveda also. Um, it's just that we're, maybe the difference is that we're a bit, um, uh, we think we can know it all very fast and, and we think we, uh, we have all the elements, so we need to reflect more. Uh, we need to take more time and we need to listen more to people who can guide us. Uh, maybe that's the thing that, that's a bit different in the West. But what I see is a lot of interest. Like I see more interest toward Arveda and the West than I see uh, in the East, actually, because for us it's new, it's the new frontier. Uh, we're discovering new things. For them it's a bit, uh, it's interesting, but it's it's a bit like, it's not what they're going forward for uh, forward to. That's not what they're discovering currently as a civilization. I mean, different individual will be different, but also I can see the market in Arveda is very much foreigner uh, drive in in uh, in India, uh, especially uh, um, on the level of the centers and the, the establishment. Um, if we talk about incorporating it in daily life, uh, then they have. Uh, it's very unequal, but they have a lot of it in India. I mean, everybody has got a few concepts or principles that they're applying. A bit like we used to be doing here with uh, the grandma recipe, but uh, a bit more um, structured and maybe uh, it's a bit more alive in India. Uh, but but um, we... the studies and the, the, the treatments and going to a center and having uh, uh, studying these things and deep diving into these deep, uh, deep diving into these things uh, is uh, we can find a lot more Western enthusiasts nowadays. Mm, okay, uh, but if we look at uh, let's say we speak to the listeners right now mm. and they they heard about Ayurveda in a certain way. And they are looking for health in a broad sense, of course. So what would you say to them? Because very often, even though we know vaguely about Ayurveda, it's still associated most of the time with nutrition. So people go on the internet and self-diagnose themselves, for example. And, uh, but it's fragmented view on, on health. So to the listeners who would like to have to develop an approach 
on uh, Ayurveda, what would you say? What would be, let's say, the first step? To, to I would say the first step would be to, um, to listen, to take time, to read a few books, uh, to refrain from concluding anything fast. I think that's the, we want to conclude fast. We want to say, oh, say, so I have to do this. Oh, okay, so it's like that. And we want to check the box. So I think the first thing is to take time. Uh, I enjoyed, um, there's a book I like is uh, Prakriti from uh, Robert Svoboda. Uh, it's a, a very well-written book. Uh, I mean, it talks about concepts more than it enumerates them. Um, so if you can have a, a class, I don't know, a 15-hour class, 30-hour class, if you can have a, a few books, uh, d don't start with internet because an in internet, usually it will be like uh, bullet points. It will be... Uh, it's not the the, the best uh, the best explanation often it's a bit like the wild west you have a bit more consistent consistency uh, in in books uh, especially in in english books we have three big authors which is robert svoboda we have david frawley and we have vasant lad and these are uh, three big uh, teachers of ayurveda uh, in the west uh, they're very very competent and uh, their books are are quite uh, elaborate uh, so take time and look and listen and observe and then when you make you're starting to have like correspondence between what you read and and what you feel then you can start doing something with it but uh yeah i would say take your take your time and spend maybe a f few months a year or two years slowly reading about it or you go see a competent therapist somebody that you can find recommendation about and you ask them to guide you into a more direct exploration of what you need because there's many levels some people will need to work on psychological level uh, or mental or emotional level their ayurveda is not codified many things uh, ayurveda has codified how to cure disease or a bit what to eat but then again not that much not uh, a lot of it has to be deduced, it has to be understood. Uh, it's not like they told us everything about what to eat and how to do. So once you kind of mapped, uh, okay, do I need help on the psycho-emotive psycho level? Do I need uh, to improve my, my diet? Do I need to improve my way of life? Uh, do I need to improve my morning routine and all these things? Then you can go into a specific subject because it's so wide. If you have a disease, if you're sick, then you might start with this one. And then the disease, by researching on it and by listening what Ayurveda is telling you yeah. about it, it will lead you to different things about food. About uh, So if you have a disease, start with it. Uh, discomfort is a way of your body to to express itself and, mm -hmm. and ask for help. Mm -hmm. But isn't it actually what is the most common for people is to, which is normal, huh? I'm not criticizing, mm -hmm. I am also in that batch, which is, you wait for a problem to go and see a Ayurvedic therapist. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So there's, there's this aspect that for listeners is good mm -hmm. to hear. You know, it's very often is because of a, of a physical problem that we start seeing. Mm -hmm. And it's related to food. So that's why I think in the West people see it related to food only. But I really like the way you explain it because coming from the East, this uh, approach of life is much wider. So what I would say to listeners is, you know, based on what you said, start 
start understanding your life as a whole, mind, body, spirit, and not just... I, I'd also remember that Ayurveda is not a sub-subject of health. Ayurveda is health. So it's just like the Indian way of seeing it. We could talk about naturopathy simply, but in naturopathy, if you take it as a wider subject, we know it's very vast. We know the doctors, they have specialties. They, they, there's so many subjects. Uh, we have psychology is a very huge, it's a huge subject in itself. So uh, diet is also a huge subject. So just, just notice how vast what we as Westerners know about health is already. And then you can imagine and then remember that Ayurveda is not a sub-subject of that, but the whole of the subject that they revisited again. So then that might give you a hint, okay, yeah, well, you know, there's a lot to be said if I wake up on this earth and somebody has to tell me everything about my organs, about what is disease and what is food. And, you know, it's a huge subject. We already don't know lots about it and we need to know more about it. But uh, so that might open us to, oh, yeah, okay, it's... It's the whole of the subject revisited again. I need to listen carefully and I need to... Um, but uh, also, you said uh, not to wait necessarily or, or you observe that some people wait until they're sick. Well, uh, both is good. I mean, if you uh, come across Ayurveda and you're ill, then use it to 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 cure yourself if you can. Uh, but if you're uh, in more or less good health, you can use it also to improve it. So... Absolutely. I think every every time is a good time, but of mm -hmm. course, if you can start before you you get discomfort, mm -hmm. why not? No, exactly, and that brings back to the idea of maintenance of of mm -hmm. your health. Yeah. Like uh, you brush your teeth every day, you don't wait for a cavity yeah. to start brushing exactly. your teeth. So part of the new concept or new understanding of health will be to maintain health, because after yeah. all, health for health is not. Is not the goal. It's health for you to be able to accomplish your life. Maintain, and since yeah. it's not just absence of disease, then we can say improve. Exactly. Because health is not a zero-sum game. So mm -hmm. uh, even if you're healthy, you can become more healthy. Um, so Ayurveda is very good for that because it gives you, uh, when you get to know, and that's not something you find in a box of uh, cereal or in a even in a test on the internet, that's not enough. Uh, it, it's a hint, it's a beginning of a reflection, but once you found your nature, your true nature, Ayurvedic nature, then you can, uh, it can increase your knowledge of yourself and it can prevent you from going into excesses. And here, when we speak about physical discomfort, it's not only like, physical discomfort is not only the sign that you've let yourself down. It's not only, okay, I'm ill, I'm ill, I should have done better or I should know different things. And okay, it's it's not only that. It's also something that happens daily. We have slight discomfort, but they will teach us about our limits, like like walls and mm -hmm. like borders. So we can use... So I start with somebody with their discomfort because that's their limit. If I say you're pita, you shouldn't eat uh, hot pepper, uh, spicy pepper. That's a theoretical thing. But if... I, because there's always a quantity of pepper you might take and it won't do anything to you. Uh, and that quantity will vary from a person to person. But if you reach the point where you eat those pepper and then you have a diarrhea or you have a, a stomach ache, mm. then it's not only theoretical. It's like, okay, we've touched the wall. That's We want to okay. stop before that, but we've touched it. We know mm -hmm. it's there. 
So it's not only like, oh, theoretically, you're a pita, and theoretically, you shouldn't eat these things. It's like, can you feel it? Yeah, I can feel it. Okay, do you feel better not doing it? Yeah, I feel better not doing it. Okay, let's continue with that, you know? Let's put another mm -hmm. step. So uh, so that work, people like to talk a lot, you know? <laughs> That's one mm -hmm. thing, and the Indians as well. <laughs> That's one thing we have in common. The West and the Indians, we talk. Uh, mm -hmm. We like to talk, we listen to shows where everybody only talk, 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 talk. So we mm -hmm. talk about Ayurveda, we want to grasp concept, but do we walk the mm -hmm. talk? Do we, mm -hmm. you know, it's more important to to walk in the talk than to... So listening to what you said, think is, about it. uh, it's uh, bringing the idea of start being aware of yourself, you know, yes. in that sense. And, and that's very important. stuff, exactly. like, look, and that's you have very, this, you have mm -hmm. that. And that's mm -hmm. very important. Yeah. Uh, for uh, for listeners, you know, who are curious mm -hmm. about that, but actually, it's to go back to know yourself, you know, mm -hmm. on many levels. Yes, uh, good. Uh, we don't have much time left, so a few words to encourage people to start this journey of uh, listening to yourself. Well, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, it's you're you're going to discover many things about you. So I th I think uh, if you uh, if you're prone, if you're uh, you have a uh, an interest for Ayurveda, then it's a good thing to uh, pick up a book about it and start reading about it and start looking at your own life. And again, I, I'm I'm saying take your time, take your time and 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 read about it. But more also books that goes into uh, deep into the subject, and um, and you will understand so many things. And when you learn about the dosha, you can recognize yourself in it. Uh, you can recognize. Oh, I end up always in these discomfort or in these health problem. Oh, that corresponds or not to my dosha. So uh, I haven't got much more to say than it's very interesting and it's very fascinating. And since <laughs> it connects with reality, it's mm -hmm. it's really fun because you read something, you feel something, and yeah. you, you learn to, yeah. Jonathan, to drive your I'm life, so, kind of. Yeah. Jonathan, I'm so sorry, we don't have much time. Yes. But at least we can see the passion you have about it. Good. So to that's the listener. That's communicate. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> wonderful. So thank you very much, Jonathan, for being You're with welcome. us and uh, opening a window to a new mind-body approach. So after the break, we will chat with Tammy Schmidt on how to pierce the duality in our lives and realign with our true our truth to bring health to another level. So stay tuned. Set your goals higher and aim for a true transformation in your life. Do not settle for well-being. Be grounded, centered, and raise your consciousness for self-realization. Mayoku Techniques help you start your journey or deepen your practice on a one-to-one -one training. Check the website www.myokucenter.com and together let's make a difference now in your life. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Tea Break with Vivian Cosimir. We hope today's episode is making you feel empowered in many ways. Now, back to the show with Vivian. Welcome back to our discussion on elevating the mind-body dynamic. And welcome, Tammy. It is very nice to have you with us. 
So after looking at Ayurveda with Jonathan earlier, we are now looking at the bioenergy, if I can phrase it that way, and spiritual aspect of the mind-body. So, Tammy, you are a clinical thermographer with many other modalities such as body talk. So we are going to cover with you, first, what is health from your perspective, and second, the three steps you have designed to pierce duality and realign with our truth. So first, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about you and your rich background. <laughs> Thank you, Vivian. <laughs> Um, a little bit about me. So as I think with most healthcare practitioners or people who have gotten into the awakened consciousness, um, we've all had a story of some kind of trauma or health issue. And of course, mine started um, very young from, from about birth to age 20. I was on a lot of antibiotics and steroids. Back in the 70s, there were no rescue inhalers. So children who had asthma where it was a dire situation. Um, so in that suffering, I actually learned how to breathe and meditate on my own just because I would have to be rushed to the hospital constantly. So in between those states, I had to learn how to be in my body and be in that suffering um, to survive. And my earliest memory at age three, I kind of saw myself come out of my body. And I've at that age, I didn't have words, but I understood that I was with uh, the angels. And there was energy that they were sustaining me in because my body was so sick. It was so physically struggling. So I would say from a very early age, I started to understand I had no doubt that I was cared for, supported, no matter how bad it would get, I somehow had that inner faith because of that experience. And I had a lot of trust, um, which has carried me through um, my life. And so it's brought me to a place of, as a practitioner, um, helping others. Because my why, now that I look back, when, I, when I'm working with people, it's always to alleviate suffering. And that's a huge thing. Um, And so when we talk about health and suffering, I look at it as a quadrality. It is physical, it is mental, it is emotional, and it is spiritual. We need all four levels uh, healthy and balanced and flowing in order for us to really get to that place of, I think, I think oneness with our with ourselves first, and then we open up to other people in the universe. Uh, that's wonderful. Oh, that's a nice continuation to what Jonathan uh, approached. Oh, oh wonderful. Cool. Wonderful, wonderful. So this is, uh, for me, uh, exciting to, to have two professionals talk about health because, you know, we hear it. We know that health is something else. But when you hear professionals talk about it, you're like, ah, okay, we have moved beyond the traditional I'm not sick, so I am healthy, you know. So, Correct. so that's, that's that's very, very, very interesting. Good. Um, so you had mentioned your four categories. Can you elaborate a little, a little bit more? Sure. Um, so the so the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. 
Um, This is what I call, this is our foundation. And most people know where they're at physically, meaning they know if they don't feel well, they know if they're overweight, they know if they're injured, they're very, you know, they know what's going on physically. And, And a lot of people get disconnected from the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. And you have, again, we're going to look at it from a foundational point of view. So just to, to make some connections, our body, our physical body is actually where our emotions are housed. It's, it's how we digest our life. So when there's a lot of emotional turmoil, these emotions have to be processed either by the breath or by the digestion. So if they're not processed through breathing and releasing or digesting and processing, then they're sort of stuck and held in the tissue in the physical body. So that's where that connection is made to a lot of people with holding on to trauma and and pain. Mm. Um, Then of course you have your mind and these, your mind is where we get stuck in thoughts we get stuck in uh, belief systems, but we also get stuck in hypnotic patterns. And those hypnotic patterns, again, transfer to the physical body through behavior. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's a, there's a dynamic there. Um, and of course, the fourth level is your spirituality. And how does belief, trust, faith, consciousness, oneness, um, even duality, how does all of that come into our life and affect us physically, mentally, and emotionally? So one may say, well, that's quite a soup, right? There's a lot, there's a lot going on there with a person. Um, yes, but the fastest way to start to unravel all that is to become your own witness, uh, because I like that. Yeah, yeah in, in the witnessing of yourself, who you are being in each moment on those levels, your physical body, your emotional state, what are you thinking? How does it driving your behavior? And where is your sense of spirituality? That is your foundation to um, starting to evolve from any kind of situation. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. No. So, uh, to the listeners, I mean, most uh, most people actually have heard those who are on a on a healing path or holistic path heard about those expressions. But there's a difference between what we say then knowing and actually living it. So, mm-hmm. don't I would say to the listener, don't uh, be caught in. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Just really listen and try to attain what you think you know already. So yes. um, that's a big difference. So uh, if we look at your three steps, I like the way you divided them. So I will let you explain and go ahead those three steps. Yeah. So when so being a witness of yourself is really just becoming aware of how you operate on a daily basis. What do you think about? What do you what do you digest? And what I mean by what do you digest? It's not just your healthy food. It's what type of information are you putting into your brain and into your senses? Um, you know, how much screen time 
are, are you on? It, the, all of these things create vibration in our body. And it's the vibrations that change how our cells communicate. Mm-hmm. So when we keep higher vibrations, our cells communicate better. The, um, you know, the highest vibration is joy and love. Yeah. When you surround yourself with beauty, joy, love, wisdom, those that keeps your vibrations high. So you're you're able to process your life better. You're able to digest what's going on in your life better, so that you're not stagnating, holding on, um, staying in a hypnotic pattern that might not be serving you. And and all of this really just starts with witnessing yourself. How do you operate in your day to day? Um. And then, of course, I know we're going to get into duality, um, but this leads right into it because many people, they look at the bad and the good, you know, and how am I supposed to have love and and joy when all of this is happening? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's true. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have something that I wrote about duality and I would like to read it and then maybe we can dig into it. Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. Because duality is the path. So if your foundation is your mind, body, spirit, you know, emotional stew, um, then what's your path? So um, it starts off by me saying, please be you. Follow your truth, whether you're right or whether you're wrong. We all need you to be righteous, to make mistakes, to be wrong, to be bad, or to be good. Without the duality, we have no reference to who we are, to what we aspire to be. And duality is the opportunity to fully experience life on earth, life as a soul seeking to evolve. And without duality, we cannot know our truth. We cannot, we cannot remember what's right for you. We cannot remember what's wrong for another. And you need to know that another's wrong may reflect back to you. And that's how you find your way to what's right. It's how you find your way to truth. So if we put it simply, duality reflects back to us so that we can navigate ourselves to our truth. And that truth is going to be different for everyone because mm-hmm. everyone is on a different soul path. And we're all mixed up in this duality, vibrating at different vibrations. Mm-hmm. And within that duality, when I look at someone or even myself, I realize there are hypnotic patterns there. And those are the patterns that need to be broken. And the more that you do that, the more that duality is just really, how can I say it? It's, um, it's not such an issue. It, uh, yeah. it, it's just something that we, we look at with a different perspective. Almost yeah. everything is perspective. I like the way you, you define it because we, if we if we take the generally uh, uh, people who are told oh you are thinking in a dualistic way or you're thinking opposite way people take it as a judgment and something negative nobody wants to be associated with oh i am caught in a duality but actually 
there is nothing wrong with that. This is, this is why I like the way you presented it. <clears throat> Sorry. It's because you have to go through it. There's no good or bad. Even in Zen, we say that, yeah, you did something supposedly wrong. So what? Don't get attached to it. Correct. Wrong or bad. Take a distance from it. And uh, how do you um, maneuver? How do you, uh, how do you say, uh, digest Digest it. And yes. So I really like the way you, you present it. And, uh, and the other thing is, uh, as we talked about last time, is um, society. Every mm. human being is, is born in a society where there is a dualistic view of life, ourselves, universe, blah, blah, blah. So when we all say we want to reach oneness, we look at it as the perfection. But oneness ah. is not something that you grab like I'm going to get the apple from the tree. It's by resolving your own duality that oneness comes out. So yes. I, really, I really like the way you, you explain it in, the, in that sense. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I actually like what you just said because when I... When I'm in duality, okay, because we all, we all go in and out of this these things. This, there is no perfection. Um, the question I ask, or the energy that I move towards, is alignment. Mm-hmm. If you're in alignment with your truth, chances are you're going to move into that higher vibration, and the universe is going to start to spiral and work with you. It's when you're out of alignment that that duality becomes a problem that that's when you hit these rocky places and you get stuck so mm-hmm. you know when you're talking about oneness the other word that works for me is alignment mm-hmm. because then i'm aligning myself towards what we would call that that bigger thing you know that 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 oneness because oneness is it's wonderful. Um, it's just hard to find in your day to day. Exactly. You know, yeah. but it's there. You just have to align with it. And what, whatever that means for you, for me, it means finding my truth in any situation and aligning with it. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All human beings have this truth, whatever we call it. Some people call it you know, uh, higher self or whatever the expression, but we all have it. So if we, if we can be, as you say, more aware, and we'll, co- we'll come back to the word awareness actually also, but if you are more aware of your own duality, we mm-hmm. would say Zen karma in that sense, well, you will be aligned and you will be guided. You will know. You will know where and uh, But that makes me think of survival mode. I've heard many people say, oh, I've been practicing whatever, yoga or meditation, and I am aligned. I am, I am on my path to oneness. But actually, more than life, we are all on a survival mode, whether mm-hmm. we are aware of it or not. You know, we are all on a survival mode, whether it's physical, the stress has accumulated in, in our body, emotional or spiritual. And with the word spiritual, we just mean the way you relate to yourself and the world, basically. Yes, so, thank you. Spirituality is about connection. Yes. Yeah, to yourself, to something higher, to the to the universal energies. 
you know, it, it can mean something different for everyone. Mm-hmm. But basically, this is what it is. It's just the way you relate to yourself and, and the world, the, the, the universe. So to people who know or maybe not know that they are on a survival mode, what would you say to them? Because it's easy to tell to people, I do it myself with my clients, you know, take time for yourself. Yeah, it's easy to say. But in a way, if people understand that it's every moment of the day, you have a chance to be realigned. Take it, take that moment. You know, two, two minutes breathing, for example, or two minutes just asking yourself, where am I at right now? What is bothering me right now? So I'm just throwing examples like this, but um, uh, yeah, what would you say then to people who, who are trying to come out of survival mode and live life, <laughs> you know? It's always with the breath. Um, it's always in the moment that you take a breath, you inhale, you exhale, and you just take that moment because um, how can I explain that? Well, first of all, we can't live very long without breath. So mm. breathing is our reconnection point. It's, it is how we can ground ourselves. Um, and I find that oftentimes people who are over anxious or moving too quickly and, and aren't taking any moments um, it's because they have so much that they have to focus on and then you just keep moving to the next, to the next, to the next, right? It's this, sympathetic overdrive um, because if you don't get it done, well, then what? You're not going to survive. It, it yeah. literally, com it, it, it comes down to that when we're talking about business and the function and the organization of everyday life. Um, so what works for me is just to take a breath. I go from one task, I take a breath. I go into the next task, I take a breath and I keep regrounding myself um, because I I think I do function at a very high capacity. Um, I am in sympathetic overdrive quite often. However, I know how to shift out of it. That's what people uh -huh. need to learn, exactly. how to shift out of it. Not it's like, exactly. it's like I, I ride a Harley, right? And I, I equivalent it to, you know, shifting. It's like you're either a neutral first, second, third, fourth, fifth. There's gears that you pop through during the day. The question is, can you ramp it back down and be neutral? So you need to oscillate between these gears. You need to go very fast, and then you need to know how to be still. Mm. And believe it or not, you can be still within seconds um, and then pop it into fifth gear and take off. So it, mm -hmm. there, it's like learning, finding what works for you. But the best thing I can say is, Take those few seconds to be neutral and breathe and then kick it up and go again. And it works for me. I mean, that it sustains me. It's almost like the breath is my fuel. It's my, mm. my life force. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I do a lot of breathing there. And uh, also another aspect that I like is don't wait. I said that with Jonathan earlier. Don't wait for a cavity to happen, to start brushing your teeth. You brush your teeth every day for a reason. So health has to be understood. This new concept, I said new, but it's not new by itself, but it's, it's new because society, more and more people in society 
are finally doing it. So that's becoming a new standard. But maintain, maintain your health. Look constantly for ways to stay at a high vibration. Don't wait for the problem to show and then look for, you know, ways to breathe or ways to maintain, maintain it. That's the true sense of health. Maintain and, and know what your hypnotic patterns are. Mm-hmm. Th- those are the things that are blocking you. Those are the things that take you away from brushing your teeth or eating the organic meal versus the fast food. It's your, it's if everyone could just kind of witness themselves and see how they operate, that's your way of shifting gears. It's like getting out of the same pattern that you keep rolling through over and over. Mm -hmm. That's what I notice with health with most of my patients. Uh, That was my question. The next question, yeah, with your clients, what do you see the most common thing? Last time we spoke, you mentioned the spiritual aspect is lacking. Mm -hmm. Because because if I may say that, uh, because also I experience it, it's not like I am different, but we focus too much on health. Mm-hmm. It's like we are afraid of being sick, of dying. But you know what? You're going to die at some point. So let's not focus on it. This is a way of life. We should focus on life itself. So when we think of health, I'm, I don't want to be healthy for the sake of being healthy. I want to be healthy because I want to accomplish my life mission. So for me, what helps me sometimes when oh, I don't want to go and meditate, I want to do something else. Well, is to remind myself, why did I start meditation? Ah, and then it brings me back to alignment. Then I don't have to fight it. I go and meditate, <laughs> you, know? you know, in that sense. Yeah, yeah, you went back to your why. Exactly, exactly. So if we can go back to your three steps, because I really like the way you did it, there's a foundation, there's the path, and there is empowerment. Yeah. Um, empowerment is going to be different for everyone. Um, however, there's some basic things. It's, it's breathing, it's grounding, but it's learning to come from the spiritual point of view and connect to the light. And I say the light because I think everyone can somehow close their eyes and visualize a really bright light. And if you can start visualizing that light moving down through the top of your head, washing over your body, anchoring in your heart, letting it spiral there, and then moving it down into your gut, letting it spiral there, and washing all the way down through your legs, through your feet to the earth. You can do that in seconds when you're good at it. And what you're doing is you're bringing in a vibration of of high white light. And you're letting it anchor and ground in your heart and in your belly. Why is that important? Our three brains, um, first of all, the first brain is the gut. It's your instinct. It's your truth. Your second brain is your heart. It's your wisdom and your your emotion. The third brain is the brain in your head. That's your data processing center. So you actually shouldn't be doing much with that brain when it comes to 
living out your truth and your um, decision-making processes, that should be anchored from your gut because that's where your instinct and truth is. Um, And then, of course, your emotions and your wisdom come in through the heart. The brain is meant to just sort through all of the information that's there. Mm -hmm. And when you have a feedback loop running through those three brains, then they integrate. And then you're empowered so that you make good life choices. You find alignment. But bigger than that, you can channel in the connection from that higher source your higher self. So doing that little light meditation where you're just bringing it in, you're letting it spiral, you're letting it go with breath um, takes you to a, to a frequency where you're holding light. And when you're holding light, the greatest gift that you're giving another is that reflection. So when the person comes in your field, you're holding this vibration, this light, it's reflecting out. If they're open, they're going to receive it just like they receive a smile or a yawn. We all know when someone yawns, we yawn. (laughs) When someone smiles, we smile. That's happening energetically every second of the day. So the empowerment is in holding your light. Yeah, and I really like the way you explain it, holding the light, because very often people say, I need to protect myself. I need to do this. It's always splitting you don't split, you don't fight against, you make the light expand. Yes. That's a different perspective. And that's what we should all focus on. Don't detach, you know, from protecting yourself, not this, not that. Make your light expand. So unfortunately, that's all the time we have. I will have to get you back on the podcast for (laughs) another one. But uh, thank you so much, Tammy, uh, for for this uh, session. And uh, there is a website where people can explore more. It's on your bio. So thank you all for being with us. And I hope that this podcast on new consciousness of mind-body will help you start your journey or will support you in your self-transformation. I am Viviane Casimir, and this is a monthly podcast. I will see you next time for another episode over a cup of tea. The subject will be social and cultural consciousness. So thank you all. Thank you, Tammy. And see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this month's episode of Tea Break with Vivian Cosimir. Tune in next month for another new empowering episode. Until then, have a nice cup of tea and a clear mind.